First, we have Andrea Horvath, the leader of the NDP. Uh, well, Mr. Ford and Ms. Wynne fought about who's going to make the worst Premier of Ontario. I think this election is our opportunity to do something completely different. Kathleen Wynne, the leader of the Liberal Party. I made a commitment to the people of Ontario that I would build this province up, and I've been doing that every single day. And Doug Ford, the leader of the PC Party. The Liberal government is desperate to hold on to power, to continue lining the pockets of their friends. I'm going to make sure we run a government that respects the taxpayers. You know me, I'm for the little guy. Let's go. I'm Arlene Bynum. I'm Jamie Ellerton, and this is Buy a Dog, the podcast. It's official, Jamie. It is now an election campaign. And since the last time we talked on this podcast, there's been a lot of changes. Don't you agree? I mean, it was the Conservatives to lose. Then we got rid of Patrick Brown. We all know that drama. And now we have a stark choice for the people of Ontario. And yet, although Doug Ford is out in the polls after the first debate, there's a lot of talk about others having opportunity. What do you say? Yeah, I think the one clear thing here at the beginning of all this is that people are enamored with absolutely none of the party leaders. And what that means going forward means that this campaign will matter. It is going to matter. Yeah, absolutely. So what you say and how you say it. At Doug Ford in the lead on the debate, he was fine. I'm going to call him fine. I don't know what word you're going to pick. But I don't know if he attracted any new people. Does he need to do this or does he really just need to stay in his lane to win this? I think if you look at the polls as they stand today, this is indeed kind of Doug's very clearly in the lead and the Ontario PC party would form a majority government. So if you look at kind of that dynamic of it, I'm not sure he actually needs to be attracting new people in terms of what would be measured in polling. But one of the things that really stood out from the debate for me on Monday night was a kind of clear shift away from Kathleen Wynne as kind of the incumbent advantage and more of this coalescing around Andrea Horwath as the quote unquote progressive choice. Uh, there are still a plenty of undecideds in this campaign uh, based on what the polling says. And I think voter turnout then becomes uh, also a big issue for all three parties who can best motivate their base to come out. The Liberals have been absolutely ruthless and somewhat shameless in attacking Doug Ford and trying to assassinate his character to see what sticks. Uh, but with the desire for change across the province right now, consistently at about two thirds, if not more, of the electorate, Andrew Horvath stands to be the biggest benefactor of that. And it's can the PCs run a campaign that continues to motivate their base and kind of reassures people that they're ready to form government? Mm -hmm. Or will the province go and bring in the, the latest iteration of an orange crush, the orange wave? Pick up your orange metaphors here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pull back the layers and peel this one, if you will. It is. And as you peel it, you know, it's one of those things. And we have seen this happen in politics. You've seen it happen in life. You know, um, somebody's dating somebody and then they don't want to date them and then they never want to date them. And then they get dumped by somebody else. And all of a sudden they start looking good. <laughs> and maybe that is going to happen to the NDP. Andrea Horvath, the joke, I mean, she's been in the witness protection program for a long time. We didn't sincere. I forgot that she was the leader. She was never in the headlines. And now it could be her moment. Now, is this because 
Doug Ford has taken the party to accommodate some of the social conservatives. Do you think that is what is causing the surge in the NDP here? I think the social conservative aspect is definitely energizing some of the people who are decidedly on the left and would identify strongly as progressive voters. But in terms of mainstream Ontario and those who probably don't pay attention to politics too much on a day to day basis, I don't think the public's really yet tuned in. They're kind of indifferent to all of them uh, as uh, individual leader aspects of things. I think party sentiment, the desire for change is strong and the PCs kind of benefit from a bit of defense default status in that regard into the polls. Uh, but when the scrutiny of the campaign now that we're underway and off to the races, I think this really kind of changes things. The liberals continue to me to kind of look f- frantic and desperate, mm-hmm. and they really can't pick a lane as to what they're going to try and run on aside from attacking the others. And if it indeed starts to look like Andrew Horvath and the NDP can come ahead in the polls, then I think you're going to see more resources devoted to not only attacking her, but also researching a bunch of candidates that are running in 123 other ridings outside of Andrea's own and put them under the spotlight to really show our and kind of put the spotlight on them in the sense of are they a government in waiting? And I think that's a big question mark. So she can kind of be happy at this point in the campaign that people are at least starting to look at them seriously. But will they actually pass the test? That's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. And also another question is for Doug Ford. I mean, we have seen the progressive conservatives in the province of Ontario blow their planet up twice now. They're looking for it. They're waiting for a moment. And you could see Doug Ford, okay, I'm going to build on the green belt. No, now I'm not going to build on the green belt. He is very aware of that. But that is the elephant in the room here, isn't it, Jamie? Um, looking for some kind of a bomb that is going to repeat history. Yeah, I think the real test for Doug Ford is to how disciplined can he be? And as you get into kind of the daily grind of the campaign, where you're seeing the same journalists over and over and over again, and there's more attention than people at Queen's Park are typically used to from the media. How does he withstand that pressure? How can he stay focused on the message he wants to deliver and demonstrate that he's got some command of the files and can appreciate the nuance of things uh, as opposed to always talking in a high-level soundbite kind of way? Because I think over time, if he can demonstrate that he can actually handle a file and appreciate its nuances uh, and talk in a more broader sense uh, beyond your kind of soundbite thing, then I think that'll do a lot to alleviate the fears of some of the voters. But if all he's doing is sloganeering from day one Mm -hmm. through to the end of this and can't move beyond that. I think it will call some things into question and blow this way wide open. You know, one of the tests was uh, he was just asked the other day about um, how a vote moves through the Kathleen Wynne. You know, how, how does it happen? He didn't have an answer, called it a gotcha question. Does he have to, as you say, to counteract that, get into the nitty gritty, into the details and understand, uh, understand the complexity of an issue and bring it to the forefront for voters? He doesn't have to do it for everything, but he may have to do it for a couple of these big topics and big ideas here. Yeah, I think that's definitely something he's going to have to do on a few marquee issues. Uh, the kind of headline level of what would pass for, say, the headline in a newspaper and the caption under the photo, those are kind of the way that he talks about it. And it's more frankly also one of the things that makes him a, an effective communicator because he regularly talks in simple and easy 
easy to understand terms. But in the context of a campaign, and when you get into a more formally structured debate, uh, which the one on Monday really wasn't, mm-hmm. if you get into a more formally structured debate, and there's to and fro and a greater exploration of the substance underneath an issue, he's going to have to be prepared. And I know the team around him has been working hard uh, to do just that. Let's not forget, he did just become the leader a little over a couple months mm-hmm. ago and again, unprecedented coming out of the Ontario P leadership race yeah. following the Patrick Brown saga. But that's not an excuse. It is reality. It also is what gave him the opportunity to seek the, a mandate from the electorate to become premier. But there still are a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions. What do you say about Kathleen Wynne? We've also seen this happen before. Is there a certain um, aura around someone of the inevitability of defeat? We, You can smell it. You can see it's really hard to come back from it. However, once in a while, people do not often. Is that where Kathleen Wynne is in this race at this point? Yeah, I think the like really curious thing for me out of the liberals is that they're not really talking about anything they've done, anything they want to do. I remember when Prime Minister Brown in the United Kingdom was about to lose to David Cameron. He also ran a campaign that way, constantly just attacking his opponents. And in the dying days of that campaign, he gave a speech, I believe it was somewhere in the north of England, uh, that talked about all that Labour had accomplished under Prime Minister Blair and Prime Minister Brown. And it was kind of like a best of hits and talking about what they were fighting for. And I thought at that point, in the dying days of that campaign, if he had ran a campaign talking about that, coupled with how he wanted to complete mm-hmm. the sentence in terms of what they wanted to do next, he might have had a fighting chance, but that's not what they did. And I think Kathleen Wynne kind of finds herself in the same way right now. If she wants to spend all this money and invest in all these new social programs and expand the nanny state and be going about it in such a way, she needs to be fighting for that and making the arguments for it with conviction, as opposed to looking to not want to talk about it because she's worried about the kind of the fiscal conservative critique that she's mismanaging the province's finances. Whenever she talks these days, from what I'm seeing, you see a kind of quick, whatever the message of the day is and with the announcement she's doing, She kind of focuses on that, but her real priority on the day-to-day basis is just to be attacking Doug and trying to undermine his credibility. I get that from a strategy standpoint in the early days because she's trying to motivate Mm -hmm. her base. But if this is all we're going to see from the liberals, it's kind of thin gruel. And I don't think it's going to be enough to actually climb out of the deep hole she's in. This is a government that has been in power for 15 years, and they are currently third place in the polls. You got it. It's not looking good for Kathleen Wynne. However, as we began this podcast, there is a sense... There could be some change. And as you said, this campaign is going to matter until the next edition. Now that we're going, we're looking forward to it. I'm Arlene Bynum. I'm Jamie Ellerton. And this has been Buy a Dog. So if you found us so far, you've been on SoundCloud. But if you want to subscribe, the Buy a Dog podcast is now in the Google Play Store. It's on iTunes and in all the other major podcast directories. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Buy a Dog Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buy a Dog Podcast. 